Attention people who still care. How can we fix our broken financial system that currently favors big banks and powerful corporations to a system that looks out for us average American citizens without using politicians or regulations? This is the question we ask on the Crowd Effect podcast. I am your host, Paul Lovejoy, activist investment advisor at Stakeholder Enterprise. On today's show, the United States could default on its debt as early as June 1st. But before we get into that, I want to tell a story. In 2014, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau fined the bank Citigroup $700 million for deceptive marketing practices related to its credit card add-on products. Now, Citigroup is the fourth largest bank in the United States, and it's part of the big four. These big four banks, they control half of all banking assets in the United States. Now, in 2014, Citigroup's marketing materials allegedly misled consumers into believing they were eligible for benefits such as identity theft protection and credit monitoring, when in fact they were not. Citigroup also charged consumers for these add-on products without obtaining their consent. As part of the settlement, Citigroup was required to provide refunds to affected customers and to improve its marketing and sales practices. However, just a few, a few years later in 2018, Citigroup was again accused of mistreating its customers. In this case, Citigroup was accused of overcharging nearly 2 million credit card customers by failing to lower their interest rates as promised. The bank was also found to have violated the Truth in Lending Act by failing to disclose information about the costs and terms of certain loans. Citigroup settled the 2018 case with the CFPB for $335 million and again promised to improve its policies and procedures. However, these repeated instances of customer abuse and subsequent fines have led to the increased scrutiny of Citigroups. Now, banks are the largest industry that abuses customers. So I mentioned that there are four main banks in the United States. Well, according to the Violation Tracker Project, which takes a look at all corporations doing business in the United States and tracks which corporations get uh, commit violations and how much their fines are. Well, uh, Citigroup is the sixth most fine company in the entire United States. Uh, this this is includes foreign companies that do business here in the United States also. So Citigroup is number six on the list. Uh, let's talk about the big four uh, banks. So Citigroup's number four. Number three is Wells Fargo. They're number five on the list. Uh, number two is Bank of America. They're number one on the list. And the largest bank in the United States, Chase, which just got bigger yesterday by uh, taking over a First Republic Bank, uh, they are number two on the list. And Bank of America is number one. So, and 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 so we have this abuse going on. Uh, and 
it's it, it keeps on happening. It doesn't matter how many times uh, Citigroup gets fined or any of these banks get fined. It just keeps on happening. Now, uh, and here's probably why. $335 million Citigroup was fined in 2018. You know what their profits were in 2018? According to its annual report, Citigroup reported a net income of $18 billion. To me, that $335 million is just a cost of doing business. Now, fines and regulations, uh, they don't address the root cause of the problem. I understand why we have these regulations. We can't have these banks abusing uh, us, abusing their customers. But with all these fines that's happening, you know, the top big four banks are, the, are in the top six of the most violation uh, abusing companies in America. It do, it's not working. And, and that is because it doesn't address the root cause, which is the way corporations are designed. Now, we've probably all thought about this, the, the way corporations are structured with this uh, with a with a corporate bottom line and this constant pressure to increase more quarterly profits than the last. Um, and 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 no amount of regulations will ever change that. But uh, as as consumers and and of people in this country, we tend to look to our politicians to do something about it. That's why we have all these regulations and laws. And this leads me into our news story. When we ask our politicians to do something, well, they do. And now look what's happening with our, our debt ceiling uh, issue. Here, here we go again. Um, it, it seems to happen every few years. We get in this debt ceiling uh, debate. And once again, so Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, said that June 1st is when it looks like the United States will default on its debt. Um, now, has the United States defaulted on its debt before? No, it, it has never defaulted on its debt. However, there have been several times when Congress has not raised the debt ceiling, which put the country at risk of default. So this happened in 1979, 1995, and 2011. Now, the 2011 debt crisis was particularly severe. Uh, back then, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives refused to raise the debt ceiling unless President Obama agreed to cut spending and reforms to entitlement programs. Deja vu. Uh, today, Republican-controlled uh, House of Representatives they don't want to raise the debt ceiling unless the Biden administration cuts spending and reforms to entitlement programs. Same thing all over again. So what happened in 2011? Well, they were unable to reach an agreement and the government was forced to operate under a series of temporary spending measures. The uncertainty of whether the government would be able to pay its bills led to the, a downgrade of the country's credit rating. So was there any economic effect happening because of this downgrade? Yes, it, it, the Congressional Budget Office, which is independent and provides data to both Republicans and Democrats, estimated that the crisis cost the uh, economy $24 billion in lost output. 
Uh, the crisis also caused the stock market to uh, to temporarily uh, plummet and businesses uh, delayed investment. So when we ask our politicians to do something, they do. And the, the problem is, is that we don't agree on on how what our politicians should do. So we end up um, the politicians end up fighting. We end up fighting over social media. Uh, we take it personally. Uh, we take, uh, you know, protesting on the streets, causing, uh, you know, vandalizing property, uh, protesting uh, at the white uh, at, at, at the Capitol, causing damage to property that it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, or you feel liberal or conservative, asking our politicians to do something only creates more of a divisive uh, uh, feeling in this country, and it's not going to lead anywhere good. Uh, so this leads to my financial tip of the day. Stop asking our politicians to do something. Instead, there are steps that we can take to uh, solve some of these problems because when we ask our politicians to do something, it's it's losing money for us. We lost 24 billion in 2011. Who knows how much we're going to lose this time around in in 2023? Um, now, will we default on debt? That's that's we could. It, there's no certainty about it. I know uh, you know Democrats are, are really pushing this idea of we could uh, default on debt. Yes, we could. Uh, but the other thing to, to know about that is that our, our global economy is run on the the U.S. dollar is the basis of that. So so most likely we won't default on debt. Extensions will be given, but it, it doesn't mean that it won't cause economic harm. It, it has in the past and it looks like it will in the future. OK, so so if we don't ask our politicians to do something, well, what can we do? to increase our own uh, income uh, well, and put a stop to, to the abuse that the banks are, are, are giving all of us, abusing us again and again. Well, we can become crowd lenders. Um, now with crowd, crowd lending is when a large group of everyday people, you, me, it doesn't matter. Anybody with, uh, uh, any, anyone with a bank account can become a crowd lender. So, what happens is is that it's it's a large group of people pooling small amounts of money to fund a uh, a, a loan. So uh, how can this um, solve any problems? Well, well, first of all, when when people become crowd lenders, we were able to replace banks. And banks aren't going to give give those loans. Instead, we are. And instead of banks profiting off those loans, we profit off it. So it's a way to redistribute the wealth and power of these big banks to us regular people. Uh, because the money that would have gone to uh, in, 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 in issuing these loans would have gone to the banks, but now they can go to us, the regular people. And so it does a, a double effect. We're increasing our own income and we're also taking away uh, the income of banks through healthy competition, through a market-based approach. There's no need to rely on politicians to, to crowd lend, to, to replace a bank, to redistribute wealth. 
there's no need for government involvement in that case. And we don't have to spend money on uh, donating to a political campaign. Instead, we can use that money to crowd lend and actually have a, a, a real um, change take place. Crowd lending also uh, helps stem inflation. So uh, the vast majority of money that gets created in our economy is from commercial banks. So commercial banks are allowed to issue loans based on the, the deposits of their account holders. So uh, when a bank issues a loan, it's not taking money out of the, the uh, depositors. Imagine if you looked at your bank account all of a sudden and, and, and it dipped because the bank had to use it to loan money. No, that, that's not what happens. Um, our, our accounts stay the same. What happens is the banks actually ha uh, create money legally. They're allowed to. It's called fractional reserve lending. And by creating money, it increases the size of the pie where in theory, we can all get a, a piece of it. But in actuality, uh, it's what's happening is these banks are just increasing their own size of the pie and, and, and leaving us out. Uh, on top of that, these banks are, are doing it more than, than the economy can handle. And uh, when more money uh, is created uh, than the economy can handle, that's, that's inflation. And this is the cause for systemic inflation. I know we're having crazy inflation right now, but you look at the history of inflation, you know, we're always the, the value of the dollar is, is constantly going down. Um, you know, I, I remember as a kid getting a ice cream cone for 10 cents, 15 cents at thrifty, you know, you, you can't do that anymore, obviously, but it's just systemic inflation. And with crowd lending, we're not creating any money. Um, the people, when we loan money, we're, we actually have to loan our own money and put it at risk. There's no, there's no money creation that that's happening uh, with crowd lending. It also uh, allows uh, people who crowd lend to uh, it, it decentralizes the power of, of banks because right now uh, banks choosing who gets funding and who doesn't. And oftentimes these, these big banks like Citigroup is funding exploitive companies and projects with crowd lending. Um, there, we don't have to do that. We could fund, uh, communities, real people and projects we care about that actually do good. Uh, and, and again, there's no government involvement to that. There's, there's no need to donate to a political campaign. There's no need to do anything. Anybody, uh, with as little as $10 can be a crowd lender and a bank account. There are platforms out there where you only need a dollar to start investing, minimum investment requirements, one dollar. Um, so, so that's that's another reason. And 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 finally, uh, crowd lending. When you're investing and you're putting your investment dollars into crowd lending, think about what you're not investing in: the stock market and corporate bottom line. Not investing in outsourcing. Not investing in U.S. companies manufacturing in China all of which contribute to income inequality. My name is Paul Lovejoy. I am a crowd investor and I see you are one too. If you'd like to know how to democratize our economy legally, ethically, and without confrontation, go to stakeholderenterprise.com.